Hi, it's Dr. Centeno, and this is episode two of my craniocervical instability or CCI series. Now, this one's going to loosely follow the blog, which is entitled Understanding CCI Measurements Versus Instability, which is my CCI series episode one on the blog, but it's episode two on the podcast. And it's going to have a lot more stuff in it than, than the blog does. And we're going to talk about the idea of how do you measure craniocervical instability? How do you diagnose craniocervical instability? We'll talk about measurements, but we'll also talk about the different ways this thing is diagnosed. Obviously, craniocervical instability can be devastating. It can change lives in a negative way. And getting to a diagnosis is critical. So what is craniocervical instability? If you have it, you probably know. But basically, it means that the upper neck joints are moving around way, way too much. And the basic concept is that there's ligaments that hold the head on, and those ligaments are loose. Now, there's a couple different terms for this. One is CCI, craniocervical instability. It's also been described as craniocervical junction instability and many other names. But all of this extra movement in the upper neck can put pressure on the lower brain, brainstem, spinal cord, irritate nerves, beat up upper neck joints, cause damaged tendons, etc. And most patients that have this have headaches, dizziness, feelings of imbalance, visual problems, rapid heart rate, weird things that happen in different parts of their body. So lots of different ways it manifests. Now, how is craniocervical instability measured? The most confusing thing for patients is often that Craniocervical instability is a dynamic concept by definition. It involves motion, meaning that instability is a motion-related concept. In order for something to be unstable, and we doctors use that term to mean that a joint that should only move a certain amount moves too much or moves too much in the wrong directions. So that's a movement-based concept. That means that you pretty much need to test it with a moving-based imaging. The problem is that movement-based imaging is relatively new, or at least not as well established as static or non-movement-based imaging. So a lot of CCI diagnosis is made off of static, non-moving images, when in fact, a far better way to make this diagnosis is looking at extra motion on movement-based images, but we're just not as far along in doing that. So realize there's still that mismatch. So let's go over some static measurements that are common. One is called the Grab Oaks measurement, and this is where you may want to go to the blog. That blog is on centenoschultz.com, and the link will be below. Uh, the link here is going to be to, again, the CCI series episode one, understanding CCI measurements versus instability. And if you scroll down to look at Grab Oaks, basically the Grab Oaks measurement defines the dens going backwards as someone uh, either has their head straight or flexes. So what does all that mean? The dens, dens in Latin stands for tooth, and so it's a tooth-like process that sticks up in the middle of the C2 vertebrae. Now, things are numbered in the neck. C0 is the skull. 
C1 is the atlas or the first upper neck bone. C2 is the axis or the second bone. So this one sticks up from C2 and goes into C1 and C1 rotates around this dens or tooth-like process. Now the transverse ligament goes like a seat belt around the dens. And if that seat belt is loose, then the dens can move too far back and that can go towards the upper spinal cord and brainstem. The Grab Oaks measurement just measures how far back that dens is and how close it is possibly to that spinal cord. There's a specific way to do that, but basically you should know that a Grab Oaks measurement of nine or more is considered abnormal. Now I realize with dynamic movement measurements, that's probably going to change, meaning that there are some people that have said that Grab Oaks measurement of seven or more is abnormal. In addition, you can see the Grab Oaks increase with neck flexion, meaning person bending their head forward pretty easily on dynamic motion x-ray or on dynamic flexion extension MRI. So those are new concepts. And there's a little video I have on the blog about all of this stuff that you should look at. The next one is the clivoaxial angle. This sounds like a really fancy thing, but all it really means is if the patient has loose ligaments, then they're at mostly in the back part of the neck, then their head can move forward and fall forward on the upper neck. And so in that case, their clivoaxial angle will change and their clivoaxial angle will get less. So bottom line is, if we look at normal here, that's about 145 to 160 degrees in the neutral position. But the only thing you need to remember about the clivoaxial angle, also denoted CXA, is it's a measurement of how much your head has fallen forward. Then there's the powers ratio. This is a little bit more complex. It just measures the relationship between the head and the upper neck. And better to look at the blog and look at the video on this one. And the real reason I wanted you to listen to this podcast is not to get into all the minutiae of all these crazy measurements, but it's to understand that, again, those are all static measurements. So they're trying to measure a dynamic problem. The real way that we use to diagnose craniocervical instability is with movement-based measurements. And those are DMX and a movement-based MRI. You can also use a CAT scan to do similar things, although it's not quite as good. So let's go over DMX. What is DMX? DMX means digital motion x-ray. This is an x-ray that's recorded while the patient moves. This is so the doctor can see the relationship between the bones when they get out of position with motion. The things we're looking for here are the overhang of C1 on C2 with the patient's head in lateral bending. So what does that mean? When the patient tilts their head to the right or left, C1 and C2 can shift. And we can actually see the C1 moving too far out over the C2. We call that an overhang measurement. And if it's more than a few millimeters, we start to get concerned. 
In the same way, if the patient flexes their head, we can see the distance between the dens and the atlas increase, and that's called the ADI or atlenodental interspace. And we can see all sorts of things between other bones lower down in the neck as well if they're unstable. Then we've got an upright MRI. In an upright MRI, you're imaging the patient in weight bearing, but the real advantage of an upright MRI is the ability to see motion. So many of these units will allow you to flex the patient's head forward and backwards and then take an MRI picture. And this can be helpful in looking for things like an increase in the clivoaxial angle, change in the grab oaks measurement that we've already talked about. In addition, we've seen some interesting side bending MRIs where they're trying to measure whether the dens is, is perfectly in between the atlas and centered on the atlas. So there's a lot that can be done with movement-based MRI. So how can all these measurements really guide care? Well, the first thing you need to understand is that if these measurements are abnormal, you may have CCI, but CCI is a clinical diagnosis. What that means is that it takes abnormal measurements, the right history, a patient with the right exam, and perhaps even some additional information, like we know that the upper neck is causing your symptoms and we can block certain areas to prove that, meaning blocking in our terms would be injecting or numbing certain things out and then the patient's symptoms go away for a short time. But it's putting together all of those pieces of the puzzle to get to the diagnosis of CCI. So the measurements or these images are always just one part of that bigger puzzle. Bottom line is, we can also use these measurements to guide non-surgical care. Now, surgical care is often fusion, where you just fuse the person together. Here, this is a little different. We're actually talking about using specific measurements to determine what it is we want to treat. So let's say we have an abnormal clivoaxial angle where the head is falling forward too much. We know that the ligaments in the back of the head and neck are loose. So those would be targets there, including the nuchal ligament, the supraspinous and interspinous ligament, and the posterior atlanticipital membrane. Or let's say we know that on DMX, which is that digital motion x-ray, where the patient's bending their head right and left, the C1, C2 have abnormal motion, and that's usually associated with a problem with the ALAR ligament. So we can focus our treatment there. So as you can see, you can use these measurements with motion in order to determine where it is you want to treat and which areas you really want to pay attention to. So this will wrap up this episode two of the CCI series. This one might be pretty boring or more boring than others as it talks about these measurements, but I get a lot of questions from patients about these measurements. So I thought it was really important to put together a podcast on this topic just to kind of show you how we use these measurements and how different ones, maybe ones that are different than uh, the measurements you've had done, can be important. So thanks so much for listening. This has been episode two on craniocervical instability diagnosis and measurements. Have a great day.